0: You're tuned in to the Nonprofit Chatter, brought to you by Nonprofit Pro with our friends at Pursuant. New T and Leah Davenport are getting real and sitting down with nonprofit leaders to chatter about issues affecting nonprofits today. Be sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss these conversations with your nonprofit peers. And check us out on the web at nonprofitpro.com slash podcast nonprofit hyphen chatter and welcome to the Nonprofit Chatter Podcast hosted by me, Neeti Editor-in-Chief of Nonprofit Pro.
1: My name is Leah Davenport and I serve as the Senior Marketing Manager at Pursuant. The Nonprofit Chatter will give you
0: an insider's look on the most pressing challenges facing nonprofit leaders and fundraisers today, and we're going to talk about how nonprofits can overcome those challenges. In each episode, we will engage in invigorating conversation with industry leaders and find out what tools and tactics nonprofits need in their repertoire to help their vision become a reality.
1: All right. Um, Well, I will take it from here. Um, And As a reminder, the voice you are hearing is Leah Davenport, the Marketing Manager at Pursuant. And today I'm really excited to be joined by two amazing guests. The first one is Faryal Khatri, and Faryal serves as the Stewardship Specialist or a Stewardship Specialist at Children's Medical Center Foundation in Dallas, here in Dallas, Texas. And we also have Matthew Mealcreek, who is the vice president analytics at uh, a Pursuant strategist and consultant. And he's here to add in some color commentary on um, the work that Pursuant has done with Children's Medical Center and some general best practices that nonprofit leaders like you can take away. Um, Faryal, welcome. Would you love to share a little bit about yourself with our listeners today?
2: Hi, thank you. Thanks so much for having me today. Um, Yeah, I mean, my story kind of has taken many twists and turns, but um, I started my undergrad in healthcare administration, and um, through just community service and volunteering, I realized I had a skill set and passion for communication. So um, after graduating, I got into communications, um, and while doing that, I was helping also Um, the fundraising development department, and I realized that I had a passion for philanthropy. And so then I joined the master, um, the master's program at the Lilly School of Philanthropy um, at Indiana University. So I just graduated with that degree in um, May, so um, just a recent grad from that program. I was looking for a way to combine my passion for healthcare and philanthropy, and I started working at Statements and Foundation in Indianapolis. And um, that's how I really got into the healthcare field. And then later I decided I needed to um, move. And um, so I decided to move to Dallas for various reasons, families and community. Um, and so I started um, at Children's. Outside of that, I also do a lot of um, consulting work with different organizations in the community. I've done um, it's my stewardship internship at the Islamic Seminary of America here in Dallas, um, as well as some other smaller organizations. So that's kind of been my path from um, combining healthcare administration, communications and philanthropy, and really focusing in on um, all the intersection of all of the three, which is donor communications, donor relations, um, Stewardship.
1: Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I really love hearing kind of your journey and sort of realizing that you have this passion for communication and wanted to tie it in with healthcare philanthropy in particular. Um, and so thrilled to hear you join Children's earlier this year as a stewardship mm-hmm. specialist. Um, and so I'd love to kind of dig into that a little bit more. So, how, um, you know, what is your role like there? Um, what does your role there look like? And, um, you know, some of your day to day responsibilities. And how are you helping to grow that program there?
2: Yeah. So, um, when I started, the stewardship strategy was really just starting to take form. And so I came in and um, kind of took the baton from that and, and started really focusing in on building. A holistic stewardship strategy that fits in with the with the full foundation and um, the whole foundation's goals. Um, we also work really, really closely with the annual giving team to work on retention strategies, um, maintaining strong relationships and strong communications with our
1: donors. Mm-hmm. Awesome, and so I know um, when you stepped into that role that you started to work with our team here at Pursuant, um, and one of the things that you wanted to focus on was kind of the annual giving um, program and sort of focusing on some of those retention strategies. And so, um, Matthew, I'd love to kind of get your take on you know, how that relationship has grown and um, just what are, some, what are some of the different kind of goals that um, you're working with their team to pursue?
3: Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, So um, we started working together. um, The organization was at an inflection point um, and wanted to pause and take a moment to look at trends uh, that were affecting their donors as well as driving revenue. And so um, the approach that we followed um, with the team was really twofold. First, we completed a file assessment and we used our Giving DNA platform uh, to quickly gauge insights about uh, donor file dynamics. And then the second thing we did uh, is to create um, uh, profiles of who their donors are through our giving DNA uh, in donor DNA methodologies. Um, So the file assessment was really cool um, in that it allowed us to dig deeper uh, within their program and understand uh, what those multi-year trends were. Um, Things that we saw, I think, are really similar um, with a lot of children's hospital foundations. We work um, with quite a few, uh, and we saw a program that was major donor dominant, So um, the majority of revenue driven um, from typically a a small number of donors. Um, But at the same time, we also found um, that major donors are are created um, from a pipeline of an annual giving program. So certainly some dependencies there from a mass market program uh, to the majority of revenue uh, creating uh, that pipeline for major donors. The other thing we saw um, within the children's program is that they had bucked the trend of typically declining acquisition and had done uh, a really good job of acquiring new names at the individual donor level um, for the past few years. However, um, the challenge was that retention of new names is typically and inherently uh, pretty low, um, and it was uh, for children's as well. Um, So the outcome really of that analysis that we reached together and sort of the conclusion uh, that we reached together um, is that donor loyalty certainly needed to be a priority and that uh, more fundamentally if we understood um, why individuals were giving to us in the first place that we could drive greater connection uh, and greater value um, within their program. And so uh, that's exactly what we did um, with the second phase of uh, use of our Giving DNA platform. Uh, ultimately, we we're able to explore and segment their donor file uh, to create really distinct experiences for uh, the unique audiences uh, based on the reason for their support uh, and the reason uh, that they want to give to children's health.
1: Mm. Thank you so much, Matthew. You know, something that stood out to me about what you shared has to do with this idea that, you know, each person who is giving to your organization, whether they're, no matter what giving level that they're at, whether it's at the major donor level or the annual giving level, has specific motivations and reasons that they give to you. And so I think that's so powerful to tap into those unique kind of identifiers and profiles of how someone relates to your organization, because it can really help um, with, you know, driving those retention numbers, because as we say all the time here at Pursuant, like it costs less to retain someone than it does to acquire a new one. Um, yeah. So hearing that you're digging into those, those kind of insights is really encouraging.
3: Leah, um, i um, a couple examples of that um, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, so again, sort of speaking generally uh, to, to children's hospitals, Uh, In many cases, there are a lot of grateful families, so they have um, walked through the doors of the hospital. Uh, Their child's life uh, may have been saved or maybe um, uh, simply went in for a flu shot and um, were treated with exceptional care uh, and that family wants to give back. Uh, There are a lot of other folks that aren't quite yet donors but who are simply supporters. And so what that means is they might be volunteers, they might have been uh, dragged to an event with a friend, they may have gone to uh, a gala and set at a table but never made a gift. Um, And then we have um, folks that I would say even have a further connection. They might just give because they live in a community where there is um, a children's hospital that uh, the donor feels like um, is a community asset, or is their responsibility? Um, but that donor may not have uh, kids at all, uh, or may have um, you know, um, kids that um, uh, moved out of the home 20 or 30 years ago. So what we find, often, um, and this circles back uh, to Faryal, I think, is that um, we often find that many organizations are speaking to, to donors with a singular voice uh, or with the same message out of um, you know, simplicity or necessity. But in reality, what this research can show us uh, and did show us for children's health uh, are some of those nuances within the file And ultimately, it allowed us to identify uh, some distinct audiences and then to even describe them um, not only by demographics, so their age, uh, their affluence, their incomes, and and typically where they live, but also to align more closely to those motivations. And so if we know those things, for instance, I give because I believe that um, the hospital is a community asset, uh, if I know those things, then we can craft messages that appeal to that audience uh, the best.
2: Yeah, I just wanted to um, emphasize how important strategic, um, strategic segmentation is to the stewardship strategy. Um, I think that that's super important in order for us to have really personalized stewardship strategies for them, as well as on the annual giving side retention. Whenever you speak to a donor, you're not—it's—they don't feel like they're one in a million donor, but they really feel like you're talking to them and so I think strategic segmentation is a key um, for, for a really successful strategy for retention as well as stewardship.
1: For sure and I'm sure for you Farial, that definitely fulfills a lot of your passion around good communication and making sure that um, mm-hmm. as you're able to sort of break people down into really specific segments that you can write um, you can m- message to them in ways that's going to be highly relevant. Um, I'd love to uh, shift the conversation a little bit to um, the fact that we still, six months in, are living in a pandemic and trying to operate our businesses and nonprofits in this environment. So I would love to hear from you. How has Children's Medical Center Foundation been um, performing in, in our kind of current climate?
2: Yeah, initially we had, and we still do, we, uh, you know, such a really amazing an inspiring community outpouring of support for our uh, caregivers. Um, You know, we've had a lot of um, donations of masks and food and other PPE. Um, And so that's just been really inspiring to see the community coming together to support support each other, as supporting our caregivers as well, supporting us. And so that's been really inspiring. Uh, And then also, our events a lot of our events had to go virtual and so that's been you know sort of an experience for us to have to um, make that pivot but we've been really grateful to have such great support from our community and from our donors and our supporters um, to to have really successful virtual events um for example one of our key events the red balloon run and ride um that was a um you know, that was scheduled like, um, earlier in the spring um, and we had to make that into a virtual event. Um, but with the help of the community and our amazing supporters, that was really successful.
3: I'd add, um, you know, what's really interesting, um, we work uh, with uh, in touch quite a few organizations um, that uh, were in a similar situation. Um, In particular, where events served as a primary acquisition source for um, those organizations throughout the year. Uh, And so many of those organizations that we're working with now don't have those new donors that they expected that influx, um, you know, every uh, April um, that they might have received from events. Um, So that leaves a gap uh, just in terms of bodies flowing through the organization, uh, as well as the revenue that those new donors provided. Um, I would add, sort of in COVID times, um, some of the discussions we're having with Children's Health as well as other organizations is, uh, okay, so we don't have the the new bodies flowing through that steady stream uh, like we typically did. Um, how can we engage those who we already know? Uh, and so I love the, the um, role that communication and stewardship plays in those regards. Uh, it's almost uh, you know, um, treasuring uh, the folks that are already on our file and ensuring that they know their importance and you know, their value uh, when we don't have the influx of new names uh, that, that we typically rely on. Mm.
1: I would love to know a little bit more, Matthew and Fariel, what some of those stewardship touch points kind of looked like.
2: Yeah, so we had, um, you know, the whole COVID situation going virtual and the out from the community created a very unique um, opportunity for stewardship touch point for for those donors. And so we did have um, a special stewardship touch point um, an impact report that was kind of created to let them know that we appreciate their um, Their support. And so that was, uh, you know, something special that we had done for them um, and something that's sort of upcoming uh, you know, with the end of the year upcoming um, and Thanksgiving. That's, you know, a really another just a great opportunity for stewardship. So we, we have something, what we're calling the month of gratitude, where we'll be um, sending gifts to key donors. And so I think right now, not just at Children's, but I think just you know speaking in general terms, I think right now is a really great opportunity for stewardship and just um, sharing your appreciation for, for your donors right now um, and, and really fostering that relationship Um, And I think that's going to be really crucial as the end of year comes up. So taking this opportunity to be able to um, nurture the stewardship right now um, in order to be able to um, hopefully make those end of year asks um, that are also upcoming. So I think there's, you know, just, you know, a lot of unique opportunities to um, have touch points in the forms of impact reports or they could be gifts um, or various other um, opportunities like that.
1: Speaking of the future, um, Matthew, do you have anything to add to some of the points that Fariel just shared?
3: Yeah, um, I think the sort of looking ahead, um, you talked a little bit uh, about COVID donors and, um, you know, certainly uh, thinking about many of the events of um, 2020. Um, Uh, The work that we're doing together um, is going to continue to explore uh, how to engage and improve the experience of donors who are giving to Children's Health. So uh, I'm looking forward to that work. Um, Specifically, together we'll be doing um, some virtual experience design workshopping where we're able um, to take uh, a lot of the touch points that um, Faryal and team have identified um, for the current experience, and then thinking of the, the new normal um, and the touch points that individuals have with the organization, what they expect. Um, we're in discussion on uh, how to improve those and how to enhance those. Um, And ultimately to circle back to the fundamental question of how can we um, strengthen our connection and drive retention. So uh, I look forward to continued discussion. um, And work uh, with the team at Children's Health uh, to determine how we can hone in uh, refine uh, and strengthen uh, those relationships.
1: All right, I've got sort of one final question for you, Faryal, and that is, you know, you are sitting kind of in this new role of um, building up and advancing this new stewardship team at your organization. And I'd love to know if you've got any tips for others like you who are in similar positions at their nonprofits.
2: Yeah, um, I think my advice would be to take a moment and step back and evaluate everything from an aerial point of view. Um, And then look at the data do a deep deep dive into the data and let your strategy be data driven because i think that's that's what's really important and um you know if you're not able to do a full strategic segmentation um at least do an analysis of the data so that you can kind of see um different trends and so that way that so that way your strategy for retention or stewardship or just you know general Fundraising strategy is data driven.
1: Yeah, I love that because I think sometimes in our roles, we can be a little bit scared to say, hey, let's sit back and actually ask some questions and not just make assumptions about what we have, you know, observed in the past. And let's actually let the data kind of help drive that decision making. Mm -hmm. That way, we're not just doing the same, the same old, same old, because it's what feels comfortable and familiar. Right, exactly. Mm
3: -hmm. Yep. I love that, um, and uh, you know, again, uh, events of 2020 have caused everyone um, to pause uh, and take an opportunity to evaluate their programs. And I love for y'all that um, you know that you guys are so data-driven, leaning on data to tell the story, identify uh, opportunities and next steps. Uh, and I'd say that that um, is certainly the journey that that we're on together. Um, and and the recommendation that I would have uh, for organizations who uh, are working to determine uh, where to direct scarce resources uh, and have uh, the greatest impact.
1: Awesome. Well, for y'all, Matthew, thank you so much for your time today, and I look forward to sharing this conversation with our listeners.
3: Thank yeah. you, Leah. Having mm-hmm.
1: me. All right, um, for y'all, Matthew, thank you again. It's been an
0: absolute pleasure having you on. It's been such an invigorating conversation. Um, and yeah, thanks for joining us and sharing your insights with us and our audience on the Nonprofit Chatter. So on behalf of Nonprofit Pro
1: and Pursuant, thank you so much for joining us. Have a great day.